I'm Alexander Lawrence Ames, and this is Cloister Talk, the Pennsylvania German Material Texts podcast. Welcome to Episode 9, Manuscripts in Focus, Penmanship Samples. This and the following two episodes of Cloister Talk offer focused looks at the three main genres of Pennsylvania German illuminated devotional documents covered in depth in The Word in the Wilderness. The purpose is to provide you, the listener, with a little more insight into the document genres on which the book focuses and highlight some of the key points further explored in the book itself. This podcast series explores topics covered in my new book, The Word in the Wilderness, Popular Piety and the Manuscript Arts in Early Pennsylvania, published by the Pennsylvania State University Press in 2020. There are many questions and ideas I address in the book that deserve further consideration, so each episode of Cloister Talk dives into one of those topics. If you'd like to learn more about anything discussed on the podcast, please read my book, which you can order from psupress.org, or consider requesting it from your favorite local bookseller or library. In a 1971 lecture, the renowned scholar of Pennsylvania German studies, Don Yoder, characterized Mennonite illuminated manuscripts in four ways. First, as folk art. Second, as Germanic art. Third, as religious art. And fourth, as Protestant art. In the case of Vorschriften, or penmanship samples, our manuscripts of focus today, a fifth dimension might be added to Yoder's list. Pedagogical art. Pennsylvania Mennonite and Schwenkfelder schooling between the 1750s and 1850s when the penmanship sample manuscript genre flourished fostered a culture of calligraphy and manuscript illumination centered on instruction in accessing God's wisdom and grace. The functional instruction offered by penmanship samples in reading and writing is made explicit by the model alphabets and number lines that appear on many of the manuscripts. But the document's deeper spiritual pedagogical aim evades easy unlocking. Deciphering the documents and their meaning is the task in chapter 3 of The Word in the Wilderness. One of the most important tasks for understanding the penmanship sample is to place the document in a global context, which is a key aim of the book. The manuscript form thrived in Pennsylvania during a 100-year period of tremendous flux in European and American penmanship instruction practices. This inflected the style, content, and ultimately the viability of the manuscript form, and must be understood to place the Pennsylvania penmanship samples into analytical context. I'd like to say a word about how penmanship instruction evolved in Europe and America during our time period of focus. Printed Baroque penmanship manuals made in Europe in the 1600s and early 1700s placed emphasis on complex, ornate handwriting styles. Often, those who prepared such manuals were in the employ of bureaucratic institutions that valued those hands. As commercial economies grew and new employment opportunities emerged for the literate, emphasis shifted to efficient business handwriting. The United States took a leadership role in developing penmanship instruction that emphasized ease of learning and speed of hand, so much so that a book expounding a quote-unquote North American rapid writing method appeared in Germany by 1839. 
I'd recommend that you take a moment to visit wordandwilderness.com sources to view examples of European printed penmanship samples and American samples in both manuscript and print that are visible there to provide some visual context for this discussion. The Pennsylvania German manuscript penmanship sample flourished during a brief window before the widespread publication of penmanship samples in America, meaning the documents filled a vital, functional void, while printed German penmanship samples were scarce, in addition to their spiritual service. John Jenkins published the first American writing manual, Art of Writing, in Boston in 1791, decades after the Pennsylvania Mennonites began producing manuscript penmanship samples. The German newspaper editor, copperplate engraver, and publisher Karl Friedrich Egelmann, based in Reading, Pennsylvania, printed at least four editions of his dual-language Deutsche und Englische Vorschriften für die Jugend, or German and English Penmanship Samples for the Youth, between 1820 and 1831. Before this publication, no known German-language printed penmanship sample had been created in America, meaning it was all manuscript up until that point. Egelmann's publication held fast to the old German penmanship sample tradition, presenting Frakturschrift in much the same format that had been common for the previous 200 years, with some notable modifications. He went to pains to make his samples appealing to youth, and included instructional elements common to early 19th century English language manuals, such as model letters arranged on guidelines. Yet the manual's predominant Frakturschrift plates emphasize spiritual instruction common on earlier manuscript penmanship samples. One plate urges children in German to, quote, educate your soul and mind, end quote, with, quote, assiduity and virtue through the Creator's loving hand, end quote. An English language verse offers similar advice, quote, from art and study true content must flow, for tis a godlike attribute to know. He most improves who studies with delight, and learns sound morals while he learns to write. End quote. The words of wisdom found on Egelmann's printed sample basically encapsulate the messaging of early manuscript versions as well. It's important to understand the local educational context in which the penmanship sample emerged in Pennsylvania. The Germans who settled Pennsylvania had to establish educational institutions and practices in their new home, which often required collaboration among various denominational and sectarian groups during an era before easy access to printed instructional materials related to penmanship. Mennonite and Schwenkfelder communities supported schools for their children via subscription. Students' families paid attendance fees. The school's organizers maintained a schoolhouse and contracted a teacher. Itinerant schoolmasters sometimes divided their time between communities across the region. The Pennsylvania German school teacher's task centered on spiritual cultivation. The Pennsylvania German classroom experience reflected teachers' focus on cultivation of student spiritual literacy, or the ability to read, comprehend, and engage meditatively with scriptural and non-scriptural devotional text. This goal imbues the most famous source on early education in German Pennsylvania a simple and thoroughly prepared school management written by Montgomery County Mennonite schoolteacher Christopher Dock, who lived from 1698 to 1771 and printed the book in 1770. Dock grounds his pedagogy in the working of the Holy Spirit in his students' lives. 
Scribal training was bound up in a classroom environment centered on the reading, recitation, recall, and interpretation of scripture and other texts, meant to catalyze the purifying action of the Holy Spirit. Manuscript penmanship samples, which were mostly made by school teachers to be given to students, fit neatly into such a pious environment. The manuscript was the ultimate symbol of teacher-scribal achievement, as well as a ceremonial touchstone of the passage of literacy skills and spiritual know-how from master to pupil. Penmanship sample production was a systematic process that teachers repeated often. While each manuscript contained unique elements and frequently featured the recipient's name, a teacher-scribe's output was often quite uniform in design, layout, and content. School teachers often presented children with penmanship samples when they were between 9 and 12 years of age, when they were old enough to begin engaging with complex spiritual ideas and reading and writing a variety of letter forms. How most students used penmanship samples is uncertain. Teacher scribes proffered explicit religious instructions on the documents. Pieces featured admonitions to, quote, learn to understand God's word and apply yourself to go forth according to it, end quote. Directions for copying seem to have been implicit, although scant survivals of student work do suggest that pupils used the documents as handwriting models. Evidence suggests that Pennsylvania Mennonites and Schwenkfelders stored penmanship samples between the leaves of Bibles and other religious texts. Many of the documents exhibit creases in their centers, suggesting folding. The documents were not simply educational tools intended to be used by students and then tossed away. Rather, penmanship samples held symbolic value for recipients and their descendants, who sometimes treated pieces as generational heirlooms. Some basic characteristics unite penmanship sample text content across the years in which they were made in Pennsylvania. Almost all penmanship samples feature scriptural and contemporary devotional literature that praised God and offered directives on living piously. Most include Korentschrift, or German cursive, model alphabet lines and occasionally number lines at the bottom of the document to teach students to read and write the letter forms they encountered in devotional texts. The vast majority of penmanship samples feature texts that admonish readers toward pious behavior or offer examples of such a lifestyle. It seems that all penmanship samples that feature both text excerpts and model alphabets embraced the two related skills the manuscript was designed to teach. First, basic literacy, and second, how and why to live a pious life according to God's word. According to penmanship sample texts, keys to piety were meditating on God's word, submitting to his will, contemplating death, and preparing for judgment. Manuscripts keyed into the early modern Protestant focus on revelation through God's word, using scriptural and other devotional texts to fuse literacy, faith, and everyday piety. This notion of acquiring wisdom through scripture-based, meditative spiritual practice seems like a convoluted concept to explain to children, which is perhaps why many penmanship samples do not explicitly address it. But some scribes took pains to present the idea in a way relatable to young readers. A manuscript attributed to Christopher Dock advises that just as the ant, swallow, and turtle dove collect food during the summer months to sustain themselves through the winter, so too must children nourish their spirits during their youth to prepare for eternal life. Quote, 
Lord Jesus stirs us heart and senses and welcomes us into his wisdom that we may hold ourselves steady in the fortunate time of youth to acquire such nourishment during this time on earth that we will also have nourishment for eternity, end quote. Scribes who embraced this learning model often placed aesthetic emphasis on creating ornate, abstract, dynamic Fraktur-Schrift letters to help deliver their messages. Clearly, the Pennsylvania German manuscript penmanship sample was an important component of the educational, spiritual, and cultural world inhabited by their makers and users, meaning that they hold tremendous value as cultural artifacts for us to study and learn from today. Readers of The Word in the Wilderness will quickly learn that the penmanship sample is one of the most important of the Pennsylvania German manuscript genres, and a manuscript type that figures very prominently in my research because of both the robust textual contents of the documents and the rich intellectual context in which the documents were made and used. It's a personal favorite of mine because it was the first manuscript genre that I studied when I began work on this research project many years ago. Chapter 3 of The Word in the Wilderness will provide you with an in-depth study of this manuscript genre. If you're interested in delving even deeper into the penmanship sample as an art form, please check out my article, Quill and Graver Bound, which was published in Winterture Portfolio in 2016 and is available for free online. You will also find many examples of the penmanship sample at wordandwilderness.com sources. On the next episode of Cloister Talk, we will explore the second manuscript genre addressed in detail in the word in the wilderness, Notenbuchlein, or manuscript musical tune books often made and used by Mennonites and Schwenkfelders. In the meanwhile, I invite you to purchase the word in the wilderness by visiting psupress.org. You can also request it from your favorite local bookseller or library. Please note that Penn State Press is a nonprofit scholarly publisher and part of the Penn State University Libraries. Your purchase of the book supports the work of nonprofit, peer reviewed academic publishing, a vital component of the United States information landscape in the 21st century. Thanks for listening, and I look forward to continuing our conversation on the next episode of Cloister Talk. <laughs>